Hello mashupers, this is a poditorial. I recently joined TikTok. On my way home one day, as I waited for the vehicle to get full, I watched one of the many trending videos on the platform. Seated next to me in the vehicle was an elderly man, stealing glances and I giggled in my head. He had on that, your generation is not serious look, and my giggle got louder in my head. He had no idea that most of these unserious people wake up every day feeling like they're about to take their first flight to no other place than the Antarctica, never to return. This is what most millennials face every day of their lives. And just in case you are not aware, there's a generation called the Millennial Generation, or Gen Y, who were born between 1980 to 1995. The catalyzing generation for a completely evolved chain of generations. For you to better appreciate this podcast, you would need to understand the nature of the world in the 80s. The 80s saw the full emergence of laissez-faire capitalism as not just an American idea, but a concept which increased in that period. The advancement of technology and its allure of making life much easier made this era a very exciting period globally. However, in Africa, this era was late to emerge. Why? <laughs> because Africans are mostly late to every party. On a more serious note though, this late emergence may have had to do with the political convulsion happening around the continent due to a resistance by the puppets. What is my point? In technical terms, the guys from the 80s qualify, but the real millennials may be from 1990 to 2000. Most 80s-born Africans actually refuse to be referred to as millennials, which sort of validates my argument. If you're a millennial, you can attest to the mantras that were repeated to you. Go to school and become something in the future. You know, most parents of millennials were living during a phase of industrial revolution that was driven by the mundane and monotonous. And so there were many instructions that felt like a false push. Dream big, they'd say. But be careful, whatever that means. Or they'll go like, study hard and you could be anything you want in the world. And when you say, I want to be a carpenter, then they are like, no, you cannot be a carpenter. My favorite one is, there's more sleep after death. <laughs> Just excel in your WASI exams, become successful, and you can watch all the TV shows you want. Mm. Well, today, millennials have an almost telepathic relationship with technology and its gadgets. The unfettered imagination and creativity of this generation is unparalleled leading to an even more rapid boom in technology and innovation. Now let's delve into the ship alchemy, the relationships, situationships, 
entanglements, marriage, and tish. So, a friend of mine randomly asked me during a chat, are you happy? To be honest, the question threw me off guard and into a pit of emotions I didn't want to feel. I don't think I have ever been asked that. Happiness seems to be this vague construct every human being seems to be pursuing desperately. Happiness has never been out of sight for the average human, but there seems to be a strong emphasis in our generation. Is happiness internal or external? Am I happy because I won the lottery or winning the lottery only complemented the happiness I already possess? In the modern generation, our challenges may be significantly different and less in magnitude, but we seem to see a high rate of unhappy people. There's a lot of talk around self-love, a concept that refers to prioritizing one's needs and welfare ahead of those of others. Pioneers of this philosophy may have meant well because, let's face facts, <laughs> bending over for others who may not appreciate your efforts is demoralizing and stressful. So instead of seeing to the needs of others, make sure you are in a good place so that their negative reactions to your good deeds don't affect you as much. But this concept has been misconstrued and practiced as care for one's need only to the neglect of others. People are no longer reaching out to offer support of any kind to someone who is in need, all in the name of self-love. I don't believe in the self-love training these days. I believe in taking care of yourself as well as taking care of others. All the self-love talk is a scam. Humans are essentially meant for something, for something other than themselves. Anyway, so at the end of this conversation with my friend, we came to the conclusion that contentment is happiness. Should I repeat that? Okay, I said contentment is happiness. Even with the concept of romantic relationships, utopian nirvana, that is sold to everyone under the brand of relationship goals. The imbalance highlighted extend creatively into the romantic lives of millennials. The dynamics have changed. The lines of what defines a conventional relationship keeps blaring by the day. We are a generation who speak about love a lot, loosely, but are actually afraid of love. Every relationship is different and may need defining, but our lack of zeal to commit to long-term interest has led us to create caricatures of love. Are these forms easier? Certainly, but loving is a difficult thing and there's no shortcut to it. I saw this anonymous quote and it got me thinking. It reads, If you feel deeply for someone, if they ignite something unique within you, if they challenge you and grow you and make you want to be the kind of person you yourself are proud of, then I hope you cherish those connections. Love sometimes feels hopeless because we live in an age of instant gratification where we are always perpetuating this concept of choosing distance over depth. And that is something that breeds so much uncertainty. It bankrupts our hearts because it teaches us that we may have to be reserved. We have to deny our feeling. We cannot be too open. We cannot be too sensitive. We cannot be too vulnerable. We cannot like someone a lot and express that. 
we have to play it cool. We think we have to play games in order to survive in this world and in order to protect our hearts. But I don't think that mindset breeds the kind of foundational love we desire, the kind of love that is pragmatic, the kind that nurtures us, sees us clearly, and adds value to our lives. So, my best piece of advice for this generation when it comes to love is to just stay open. If you see something beautiful in someone, speak that. If you experience something rare, do not treat it like it's irregular. Do not treat it like it's an option. Do not love human beings in halves. As a teenager, my parents would refer me to the Bible before I confess love of whatever kind to anybody. So subsequently, I ask myself, are you patient with this person? Are you kind to them? Do you envy the person you say you love? Are you boastful to the person? Are you proud to the person? Are you rude to that person? Are you self-seeking? Are you easily angered? Do you keep record of their wrongs? Do you seek the truth from them? Do you always protect trust, hope and persevere? Does this love you profess always fail? Sounds like an impossible standard, but to me, if I can't answer these questions positively, then I need to reassess the relationship. Let us learn how to love right and measure love by what is, what is healthy and not by what is popular. How we love must be subjective and be defined by morality of love rather than how viral or commercial it is. Like the old man who sat by me, all he saw was a viral video, but what he didn't see is the value I derive from the app. All we see are the trends all around us, which we make the standard. The viral world is a virtual world. And there is the real world, where real decisions with real consequences are made. And I believe the success of this generation will be to become better at decision making by drawing the line between the virtual world and the real world.